Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Man, I hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts in California every day, except when we don't. I mean, broadcast from somewhere else. We're always with you. Um, tell a friend. I got, who's my boy here listening? Uh, Ryan. Ryan, you got to show me your last name, bud, if you want to give me a shout out. <laughs> Ryan says he's listening to the Gottlieb Show, at Gottlieb Show on Twitter, trying to get through the ice shoveling. Ooh, shoveling ice. Yuck. Yuck. Oh, ice is the, the, the worst. I know it's cold in the Northeast. So the fact that it's kind of an overcast and gloomy day in Southern California. Um, you know, you don't have any sympathy for us, but not not one of those, you know, right home to your mom. Oh, my God. Southern California is the greatest weather ever sort of days as we get ready for first playoff game in SoFi Stadium. Right. First one. So, and, and it's one of those, like, why did they put a dome in California? Well, they did it so they can get every event, even though there is an open air quality to it. I'd wonder what they're going to do if they ever get a Final Four there, uh, if they play a basketball game there in terms of getting some of that air out, because you don't want, not that there's always a wind, but you don't necessarily want wind in, during a basketball game. N- nonetheless, it's not a, a day to write home about. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, by the way. Thursday will be. Thursday, mid-80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, I got to tell you, I still think the Cowboys and Niners game, not only was a game of the weekend and how it ended and all that, but the the joy that I've even, and I've always liked the Cowboys. I liked them more when they had Romo. I don't know what it was about Romo, just his ability to kind of Brett Favre back there and improvise. That dude was a stud. I liked those teams. I felt like those teams were... A little bit more. Ta- I, I love the talent that those those teams have. Maybe my, maybe I bought too much in the Miles Austin thing during that short period of time when Miles Austin was a thing. I was never a big Demarco Murray guy, but he did have that great year. Then I met Demarco Murray. I was like, this guy's the greatest guy ever. Now I like Demarco Murray. I don't know, but I've 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 become. I'm not a cowboy hater, but I do truly enjoy how much joy people are getting over cowboy tears. And I, we all seem to have a team, a guy, somebody we'd like to see lose. Right? If, I, if I was to go through the sports, I think it would be pretty easy. Baseball. Yankees. Yankees have won 27 world titles. Although, do we have to say world titles? It's Major League Baseball. At least the NBA has gone away from doing the world title thing because they have the world championships. Not that there's another baseball team that would beat the Yankees when they won the world championship, but can't we just say World Series titles? Whatever, they won 27 of them. It's nothing like the... I can't tell, though, if I don't like the Red Sox losing more than the Yankees losing the playoffs. Stick with me for a second. Here's why. The Yankees, are the, is there arrogance there? Yeah. Do they spend more money seemingly than everybody? Yeah. Right? They have this big, colossal, beautiful, giant... Brand new. It's not really brand new, but still very nice stadium. They just, there's a certain arrogance to how successful they've been. But for the Red Sox seem more arrogant, even though they've only been good for the last like 15, 16 years. 
I'd still think the Yankees. When the Yankees lose, people take great joy in it. Man, it's great. And it's always, you can tell a team, a school, a franchise, a person, okay, is uh, very, very confident, almost arrogant when they lose. And immediately it's like, we got to change something. You ever notice that? Oh, this, they got, you got to turn this roster over. You got to change the coach. You got to fire somebody. It's, it, in sports, it is very possible, if not likely, that the best team does not always win. Anyway, I, I always find it enjoyable. I, I'll be honest with you. Like, look, I didn't vote for Trump either time. But the first time, even though I voted for Hillary, like, Watching that group, like the Clinton machine lose, there was a little bit of joy that I think a lot of people took in it because there was a certain like arrogance to it. Like, are you kidding? We can't lose this guy. You know, he's talking about the size of his hands during a presidential uh, Republican presidential primary debate. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? (laughs) Right. Like we can't lose that guy. So there was a certain amount of like a little bit of comeuppance. So maybe it's the arrogance. Cowboy fans, though, I don't... Maybe it's they're arrogant about... They haven't won anything since the 90s. What the hell are they arrogant about? Like, like Patriots fans are arrogant, but, like, look, dude, they, they won for 20 years. <laughs> you know? This is a bad year, and they lost in the playoffs. That's a bad year for them. With a rookie quarterback, they won double-digit games, they lost in the playoffs. That's a bad year. That's how good they have a reason to be arrogant. If I were to pick, though, you know, like I don't for whatever reason, didn't take a ton of joy in Alabama losing. And I'm not it's not because I went to Notre Dame. I don't care. I've never really cared truly about Notre Dame, except for the year that I went there or the year that I had signed there before I went there. So two years out of my life outside of that, like. Like they won in basketball today in overtime at Howard. No real affinity for them. But I do know that when they lose in football, joy can be heard ringing in the streets of America. Duke basketball, when they lose in the NCAA tournament, people celebrate. Celebrate. Um, college football is Notre Dame. College basketball is Duke. Major League Baseball, it's uh, the Yankees. NBA, it's LeBron, right? That's generally it's when LeBron loses. And NFL football, it's the Cowboys. And maybe it's not just that they lost. It's the way in which they lost. You have the ball. You're driving down. And tell me if you didn't. This idea that you didn't see it coming, that a Mike McCarthy team would mismanage the clock. You know? (laughs) I mean, that's like buying a house in Florida and being surprised that there's a hurricane warning. That's like buying a house in the Northeast. I can't believe how cold it is this time of year. You know, there are things that are unforeseen. Uh, was it Saturday? Saturday was a tsunami warning on the coast in California. That one I didn't ever expect to see in my lifetime. But high taxes, high homeless population, bad traffic, cost of living is through the roof. All of these things, if you didn't know it was coming in California, like what what did you think was going to happen? Like you didn't know everything was going to be more expensive? Like It's as obvious that the Cowboys were going to have trouble with end of game decision making and clock management 
as it is that a janitor would have to clean up a clogged toilet. Right? That was the whole thing with Mike McCarthy. He does, he's not the offensive coordinator. He's not the defensive coordinator. What do, and he's not really a motivational rah-rah guy. What does he do? Oh, he manages clock situations and end of game and is the overall kind of CEO sort of head coach. Well, this one's on you. It is. Of course it's on Dak. Of course it's on Kellen Moore. Right? Dak wasn't great most of the game. Is that all his fault when he was under a bunch of pressure? No. But yeah, sort of. He wasn't good. There's just no way to, other to explain it. He wasn't good. I've never been a Dax an elite level quarterback. I've always been Dax a good quarterback. This is what happens. You go from, he's a fourth round pick, and he slipped to the fourth because he had the DUI before the draft. He wasn't great in college. He was bad his last couple, his last game, I think, with Mississippi State wasn't good. I was a Dak fan. I thought that's the last we'll ever see of him. He'll never be a starter in the NFL. What a great story. Turns out, you know, Kellen Moore goes down after Romo goes down and he gets the job. They got a great team and he's better than anyone would have thought. But that doesn't make him great. Go back and track it. Okay, here's here's very simple. Okay, very simple. What have I been pounding on the desk for? Jason Garrett's last year, Mike McCarthy's two years, about the Dallas Cowboys in terms of how they play. It's completely based upon who they play. It is completely based upon who they play. Look at the losses this year. Okay. The losses this year, Cardinals playoff team, Raiders playoff team, Chiefs playoff team, Buccaneers playoff team. Now they did beat the Chargers who should be in the playoffs on a long field goal. I actually thought that was a really good win. And they did beat the Patriots on the road this year. Okay. But this was the exception. And I know they beat the the Eagles last game of the season, but that game for all intents and purposes, didn't matter for either. Go back and look at last year. All of those losses, granted, Dak was out. But even before Dak got hurt, the Browns, the Seahawks, the Rams, those were the losses. Guess what all those teams had in common? All playoff teams. The year before, they didn't beat a team with above 500 record. So all of the things we've been telling you about the Cowboys... They're not well coached. They don't manage the clock. Kellen Moore's a little bit too cute. Dak Prescott's a little bit too inaccurate. And oh yeah, by the way, no matter what you think of their talent, the truth is the last three years, they've been well below 500. Okay, this is actually the first year in which they've been even close to 500 against teams that make the playoffs, even with Dak Prescott at quarterback. He's not that good. Kellen Moore's too cute. Mike McCarthy doesn't run a, a clean ship where they execute perfectly down the stretch. Look, the hook and ladder was great. They got out of, out of bounds great the play before. And there was nothing wrong with the call. But if you're going to run that play, it has to be executed with absolute precision and perfection. Dak has to go down at the very right moment. He has to. You have a clock in your head. you got a clock on the wall. You know exactly how long it takes your guys to line up. And you can sit there and go like, no, he doesn't. Yes, you do. You know why? You practice it. All the good teams practice it. Of course you do. You know? So th- this was the, this was incre- this was as foreseeable as June gloom in California. D- does that translate to people know? 
what June gloom is. This is as foreseeable as the 1030 train being at 1030. You knew when the Cowboys were going to lose one, everybody was going to celebrate Two, the Cowboys would eat their young and, and, and talk about making massive changes. But three, the most important thing is all of these things too cute on offense, Dak too inaccurate under pressure. And Mike, Mark, Mike McCarthy's teams mismanaging a clock situation at the end of a game. All of that stuff you could have seen coming. All right, let's get to tonight's game. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, and this show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, if not our favorite city, Las Vegas, greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, competition, it is always on. No one does a sport. No one does sports like Vegas. The excitement is endless, so make sure to plan your trip at visitlasvegas.com. By the way, here's Dak on the final play of the game. If we're looking at it now, I could say, yeah, I could have went down five yards earlier, but um, thought I'd got us in position and thought I had time left to, to clock the ball, as I said, and something that we've practiced over and over and was going to be able to get into um, a last-place scenario. Hmm. Okay. Um, we've practiced it before. Right, we've practiced it before. Practiced it before. If you practiced it, then either you didn't practice it the right way or you didn't execute it. And again, if you're Dak, I get that the ref was trailing far and it was confusion, but I haven't heard an NFL player, they especially an offense player, even a defense player, you ha- your quarterback. Has, this is not like a tight end has the ball or somebody who wasn't expected. The quarterback has the ball. You hand the ball to the ref. He play. Everybody knows that, right? I don't know. Um, tonight we got Larry Fitzgerald, who will get credit for the Larry Fitzgerald, not just not, not just that he was a great player and a Hall of Fame player with the with the Cardinals, but that Larry Fitzgerald is known as the greatest ever at getting a big catch and then handing it right to the referee to get everybody lined up. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to be on. Why is Why is the Rock going to be on? Do we is there a tie there to either of these teams? I and Russell Wilson will be on. I don't believe so. I think he's got a movie coming out, maybe. Only three guests? Does that mean the two of them are just together, or do they have Russell in the fourth quarter? I think it's Russell in the fourth quarter, and I think he's the uh, the only repeat guest this year. Um, and they only have three guests, so that means they're probably saying we need to talk more football, which I'm all for that. Right. They don't, they don't have the random throw-in quasi hometown or somebody to kind of check all the boxes sort of guest, right? Go back through the guest list. And you're like, why are they having that person on? Oh, they somehow lived or were in a TV show that was in that city. Although Larry Fitzgerald, of course, played for the Cardinals. That makes some sort of sense. Um, uh, Dan, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, you know, they trimmed it down for the one guest, but this is also a playoff game. It's not yeah. just week 10 in the NFL. So as much, you know, uh, grab bag as you want to do during the show. It is still a meaningful football game, a very meaningful football game. So I'm interested to see how it plays out tonight. Mm-hmm. I am as well. Uh, who do you like in the game there, Bayer? The Rams are a three-point favorite. The over-under is 49. I'll I'll take the uh, the Rams to uh, to win. I think you could see a push. I think it'll be a close game, but uh, I'll take the Rams to win. I think it'd be a close game as well. I like the Rams as well. Um, just the, it's, it's almost Arizona is one of those teams that, and tell me if I'm wrong. I, and we're, we're just terribly guilty of it. 
we never pay any attention to them. Ever. Correct. We don't pay any yeah. attention to them. It's like the Chargers used to be that team. I think Herbert and being in L.A., frankly, has really helped it. Uh, but, I mean, like when the Chargers were in Carson or back in there in San Diego, when they were just average, kind of nobody paid any attention to them. Um, the Cardinals are that team. Like, do people know that the Cardinals have been struggling recently? I, I don't know how much they like. Remember, they were beaten badly at the end, of, you know, towards the end of the year. And Kyler Murray played, and they lost to the Lions, thirty to twelve. Um, I get that they get JJ Watt back, but they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. That's a different football team. There are certain guys that you can replace, and they've found a way to find. They have a really talented wide receiver that I think people have come uh, to learn about and be like, "Oh, I, I, I like that kid." Right? It's the what's his name? Um, is it Antoine Wesley, the kid who was at? Uh, was yeah. with was with Cliff at Texas Tech, right? Yeah, he's had some big touchdown catches for them. Yeah. Uh, they have a bunch like, of guys that, you know, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore. Yeah, those guys are all good. They're all yeah. good. Rondell Moore, a little undersized guy from Purdue. Yeah. Good. And, okay. DeAndre Hopkins, Nuke Hopkins, one of the five best guys in the game. That changes everything yeah. we don't have him. Zach Ertz has actually become a viable option for them as well. Um, but you can't you can't make up for Hopkins. Even though I think Hopkins is limited, he's yes. still so good for Murray and his security blanket that. Yes, I don't think he's as good as his reputation anymore when he's healthy. Like he has a reputation to be the best wide receiver in the league. Like I don't think he's I think Cooper Cup is more in his prime now than 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 Nuke is, but he's still a great wide receiver, right? There's just levels of great and he's not in his prime. Now he's hurt, obviously. I don't know what it'll be like when he comes back. That, that to me is a massive difference. You can trade out J.J. Watt and put him back in, and that changes you some. Nothing changes you like that type of weapon for, for, for Kyler Murray. And then, of course, the big question is Matt Stafford. How is he going to play in this situation? And I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I don't know. I'm going to take the Rams to cover. i got to think about the over-under on this one. I just I've I've gotten better at the over unders and I'm always thinking now of of potential final scores and what's likely to happen. And of course, this is the third time these two teams have played. That does lead me to think it'll be a lower scoring game than higher scoring game because they both know each other and the defensive lines for both these teams are stacked. But I got to think about that one. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. We got some really good feedback on Kelly Stafford. I'm not going to lie. I am just, I can't believe how many people bought tickets. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. All right, more of that to come. I'll give you uh, uh Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I uh, just tweeted out one of the favorite things I've ever kind of come up with is you got to feel the pain before you taste the champagne. I got There's a photo floating around of Stefan Diggs last year. When the game was played this weekend in Kansas City, it'd be 364 days from the last time these two teams matched up. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Can't wait for that game. We still have a game in the, in the super wildcard round. Just weird. I love the NFL schedule. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports at Bet River Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trust name in online sports betting. Must be 21. President Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. I don't hate to say I told you so. 
I love to say I told you so. Get everybody on message. And now. A ticker tape parade? Like what? I told you so. Why? Because he had talent. Finally nailed it, Gottlieb. Back above 60%. 60 60.7%. 85-55-1. Remember saying this about the Bengals and Raiders? I, I don't like I love the Bengals. The Bengals are a team that are fresh, that are rested, that before they sat everybody down, they won three games in a row. They've already beaten the Raiders. Raiders are going to be on fumes. This is a 4.30 East Coast start time. That's a 1.30 West Coast start time. Remember, at about mid, uh, about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, Sunday night was when the Raiders finished their regular season with an overtime win over the Chargers. I just think they're gassed. Like the Bengals, a lot. And frankly, like the Bengals and the under. All right. Good pick. Did hold on late against against the Raiders. Um, I didn't know it would be a beatdown of that proportions, but I did see the beatdown coming in Buffalo. It's going to be cold in Buffalo, somewhere between 5 and 10 degrees. Bills are a really good football team. And one of the things we've seen as we've kind of circled back around to the postseason is the teams we thought we were good are here. The Bills are better than the Patriots. Patriots are a bit of a mess right now in terms of some injuries. I don't, I don't know if Mac Jones has been figured out, but there's just a difference when one team, one is at home, that's three points, two has a better quarterback, and three... They've seen their own blood against the Patriots. I think this is the Bills by fairly handily 7 to 10 points. I I mean, it was more than 7 to 10 points. So let's not act like I'm a genius. But I did say the Niners would beat the Cowboys. I do have a dog for you. That's the San Francisco 49ers. I, I love the Niners. It's not that I don't like Micah Parsons, but there's just something missing with this Cowboy team. And I think the Niners are a team that, when healthy, have been among the elites in the NFL. Now, traveling away from home does give me a little bit. But they went into L.A. and beat the Rams. They can run the football. They found a way to get Debo Samuel the football. Am I hesitant because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make a big turnover? Of course. It's a favorite of so many for a reason. They got a legit shot. Give me the Niners in the road. All right, we'll get you to Joel Klatt in a second, but uh, pretty good weekend for you, boy. Five and one, had Cincy and the under, had Buffalo, uh, had Can- had San Francisco, and had Kansas City by a lot, which was a big number, and they won by a lot. Stuck Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Joel Klatt joins us. Joel, um, you've obviously played quarterback at a high level. Uh your thoughts on Dak Prescott not handing the ball to the official. How egregious an error is that considering how it's practiced and the fact that the quarterback actually had the ball? It's actually a pretty bad error. I mean, and you can see why. Um, in every two-minute you know, situation that I've ever been a part of and or um, have been around as in terms of viewing a practice, that's the coaching point for every skill position player, and the quarterback certainly falls in into that, which is if you're carrying the football, the thing that you do if you do not get out of bounds is that you immediately find the spotting official and hand them the ball. You know, there's, there's, there's zero way you can think that you can put the football down and snap it. It's just, it, that's just not possible. So it's a, it's, it's a bad error on his part, and, and I know he was frustrated and he took it out on the officials in some of his comments last night. 
But, Doug, I mean, as a quarterback, you've got to be on top of every minute detail, and that's certainly one of them. How much does that come down to coaching? Well, I mean, it's there's an old adage, and I've said it before on your show, what you see on film, what happens on the field, as a coach, you're either coaching or allowing. So, you know, there's, there's both. Um, if they didn't cover that, then shame on them as coaches. And if they did, then, then shame on Dak. But really, it comes down to the player. And in particular at that level, with that contract in the playoffs, when you're that level of player, you know, I mean, if Brady does it, we're not going to sit there and be like, well, did your coach tell you to do it? You know, so, so clearly Buck stops with Dak Prescott. He's got to know better. If it was a wide receiver or a running back, we'd be raking them over the coals, and that's certainly the case now for Dak after the way that that game finished. Did you see this in Josh Allen? I mean, you, you, do, you, you do your draft previews. You get ready I for the didn't. draft. Did you see this in Josh Allen? I didn't. I saw, I saw an, an insane arm. And and to be honest, there was just there was nothing about it that was refined. And and to be honest, when I think back and I and I read what I wrote in terms of, of his evaluation, what I see mostly is like, hey, it looks really good, but there were a ton of drop passes. There you know, he clearly was on a different level than the rest of the guys on his offense and because of that, man, it was a it was a really difficult projection. And it was a projection. And I think that what you're seeing from guys like Burrow and Herbert and Josh Allen is that the intangibles, Kyler Murray uh, is is in this as well, Lamar Jackson, is that you you can't always just put a guy into a box and say, well, he has to be X, Y, or Z. There's so much of this that are intangibly based. And and what all of these guys have that have had success early in their career in, in the NFL is the ability to not only compete, but really understand their own game and what makes them strong. Whether it's a cerebral nature of a Burrow or Allen and the way that he is so athletic and he hurts a defense both with his legs and the power of his arm, obviously Murray and his mobility, Lamar Jackson and his mobility, so on and so forth. So what's difficult is the projection. What you credit them for is on two sides of the coin. It's not just what Josh Allen's able to do, but in all of these cases is what the staff and the organization commits to in terms of the style of team that they're going to build around that player and then what they require that player to do, in particular earlier in their, early in their career. Fit matters when it comes to quarterbacks. Totally. Fit matters a great deal when you're talking about those first two or three years. And you've got to give a lot of credit to the Bills organization because they found what he can do, and then they've tailored the team and the offense more specifically around that. And because of that, I think that they're the best version of themselves. And by the way, shame on me for not even including Kansas City because I think that you could say the same thing about a young Patrick Mahomes and what the Chiefs have been able to do. Yeah, I mean, like, we, we all, you and I both Big 12 guys, we all watched Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he had a ton of talent, but seemed like his footwork and he just is out there just spinning, just all on natural talent and to have refined it to the point where in any given year, you're in, you're out. He's in the MVP discussion and is on a trajectory that is no question first ballot Hall of Fame. Like some of that is also fit, right? Like the Bears passed on him. And one reason it was a mistake, obviously, but one reason was they didn't feel like they could sit him like Kansas City sat him. And he sat behind like the perfect consummate pro who was the opposite of him. Right. Where, yeah. Where, where Pat would always take chances. Right. Pat would always take chances. And Alex Smith was checked down Charlie, and you're trying to get Pat to be somewhere in the middle. 
It's exactly right. And I think that that, that yin and yang is important for, for guys early in their career. Um, I'll, I will say this. I think a lot of it, you know, I talked about fit. But when I think back to Patrick Mahomes more specifically, and I think that you could, by the way, and, and I think that we're talking more in generalizations of these young quarterbacks because now you could talk about this with, with McDermott and the Bills and so on and so forth, the, the Zach Taylor and the Bengals. But when I was getting ready for the draft in Philadelphia, the Mahomes draft, I had done Mahomes games. I really liked Pat a lot. But there had not been a lot of guys come from the air raid that had had success in the National Football League. And his film, man, I tell you, the, the, the lack of footwork and just the, the straight schoolyard that it was at times at Texas Tech, it was hard for me. It was really hard for me to say, like, boy, he's going to have success at the NFL level. There was some serious talent. That was obvious. But it took a, a, an organization and maybe a coach more specifically the opportunity and more, more so the foresight um, to sit there and say, this is what I, I view him as, and this is what we could be with him. And I know that that sounds like, oh, 2020 hindsight, but I sat with John Gruden the morning of that draft in Philadelphia. He called me over and he was like, hey, let's have breakfast, man. And we're sitting there and he goes, what do you think of Mahomes? And I, you know, and I give him my long dissertation about the air raid offense and why I didn't love it because of the footwork and so on and so forth. And he says, you know, all of us who touched Favre, that's what we see. I'll never forget that he said that. All of us that touched Favre, that's what we see. And then he says, Andy's going to take him. And it, until that point, I never saw that on film. And Andy and the fit for Patrick and then sitting behind Alex and then creating this offense in a guy that understands how to have success with them is a huge, a huge uh, point of why this this league is where it's at with these quarterbacks in their young infancy, second year, third year, fourth year, having so much success at the top end. How's Tom Brady doing this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is this is wild. It just goes to show you, you know, this position. While the skill and while everyone would love to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, there's, there's more than one way to do this. Everyone would love to have the ability of Aaron Rodgers or Kyler Murray. But it's, it's also the mind. We saw Peyton for so many years, and now Tom Brady. And, and they just used their mind to carve people up. Drew Brees did it. And I think what you see with, with Brady is that he is just so vastly superior to everyone on the field as far as, as the chess player that he is at that position that he can find success. What I've been most impressed with, though, is that he has maintained himself physically where he didn't lose any velocity because it doesn't seem like he's lost velocity, and the ball is on time and on target. That's what I think is the most amazing part of all of this. And you can say what you want about him you know, moving around and still being able to do that, but it's the fact that he has not lost the elasticity in that shoulder and in that arm in order to throw the ball hard with velocity, and create the RPMs necessary to throw the ball on time and on target. We haven't talked since Georgia won the national championship a week ago. How much does this change the landscape of college football that one of Saban's assistants was able to have success in a national championship game and seemingly have a, a, better, a, a similar, if not better, caliber of athletes to go against him? Well, he definitely had the better overall roster, and I, that's not always... 
uh, afforded anyone else when they play Alabama. You could maybe argue that LSU did a couple of years ago, and that's clearly what it's going to start to take. Um, I don't know how much it's going to change college football, though, because when I look at this, this was such a unique Georgia team. I don't think that you can rely on the five straight years of amazing recruiting in order to build a roster in which you've got nine five-star recruited players in your defensive two deep. You know, Meanwhile, there's only nine five-star recruited players in the entire Pac-12 footprint last year. That just gives you an idea of how, how talented this Georgia team was, the power of their defensive line, the speed of their their linebacker core. That is not always afforded you. And this is still a team that did lose to Alabama when Alabama was more at full strength with Williams and Mechie at times during that SEC championship. And, and to be honest, I think it would have been a, a vastly different game if Williams was on the field. He was on pace to have a big day. Clearly was a, a situation where Georgia was going to struggle with Jamison Williams. And in the end, the thing that beat Alabama really was two things. One was their lack of execution and detail at wide receiver. And then what I felt like was poor play design and play calling inside the 15-yard line from Bill O'Brien. And and for, for my seat, if Bryce Young has somebody out there that he can rely on, that was still a one-possession game in the last series. It's not like Georgia ran away. Let's not get fooled by the score because of the late pick six. This was a game late, and Bama was going to have a great shot to go down there and tie the game or even you know, you know, know, get a multiple-possession lead if they would have had their wide receivers and their wide receiver core healthy. So I, I don't want to go overboard. I think it was a great win for Georgia. What a great win for a guy like Stetson Bennett and that defense and Kirby Smart. But Alabama is going to be the number one team in the country going into next year. They've got the best player in Bryce uh, Young. They've got the best defensive player. Uh, on that side of Will Anderson, and they're not going anywhere. Uh, how come Caleb Williams hasn't transferred to USC yet? I don't know. Are they like getting the 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 photography? You know, or the graphics? Was the graphics department late? Are they off today? Like everyone else is off today? I'm not sure. Um, I listen. I I have been told by those that I really trust that he and Mario Williams. Um, we're going to the same spot. Mario is committed, and, and I'm just waiting for that other shoe to drop, and I'm waiting for Caleb Williams to commit to USC. It doesn't make any sense that Jackson Dart would transfer away from Lincoln Riley unless he knew that that was not going to be his job. And frankly, there's only one guy that you would just say, hey, Jackson, thanks, but no thanks, and that would be for Caleb Williams. So nothing makes sense unless Caleb Williams goes to USC, and I'm fully anticipating that this week. Clat, you're the best. Enjoy the game tonight. Can't wait to talk with you more in the future. Thanks for being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. You got it. See you, Doug. Have a good one, bud. Joel Clat brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas. Your home for live sports. That means all sports. Every game, match, race, and competition. It is always on. Now go and plan your trip. Visit LasVegas.com. See the best and the brightest in Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Is another NFL job or two about to open? Find out next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Let's get to the press. The Press. The Press is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Play gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. 
Tim, what do you got? Doug, we start off with news from the NFL as multiple reports say the Raiders have requested an interview with Patriots linebackers coach Gerard Mayo for their head coaching position and will also reportedly speak with Patriots executive Dave Ziegler for their GM position. At the moment, Mike Mayak remains the team's GM while Rich Bisaccia continues to be the Raiders interim head coach. Yeah, I don't think you can for Mayock. I mean, I don't think you can start interviewing GMs. Go, no, 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 you're still our guy. We're just interviewing other people. Dallas Cowboys executive VP and CEO Stephen Jones joined 105.3 The Fan in Dallas today, a day after their disappointing loss to the 49ers. Part of that future, and I don't know what you can say, what you want to say, but are you of the belief or are you confident that Mike McCarthy will continue to lead this team next season? Absolutely, very confident that the message from Stephen Jones um I tend to think that means he's going to be the coach Kel- absolutely I tend I, I believe him Kellen Moore will interview with the Broncos later this week Dan Quinn's got an interview with the Broncos tomorrow for their head coaching vacancy Gonzaga the new number one in the latest AP top 25 college hoops poll Doug they barely edged Auburn by just four points despite Auburn having 36 first place votes compared to just 25 for the Bulldogs. Um, I, Auburn should be the number one team. I saw them last weekend beat Alabama at Bama. I know Bama has to play great. Bama did beat Gonzaga. Uh, Jabari Smith is something else, boy. He'll be the number one overall pick. Uh, both teams are great. Uh, I SEC is a more talented conference that they're going against. I would give the slight edge to Auburn. I think they would have been number one had I had a vote. Doug, Winter Olympics coming up early next month, and officials announced no tickets will be sold to spectators during the games because of a rise in COVID in China. Ah, sounds sounds lovely. Um, sports yeah. that I don't care about, that I'm not going to watch, with nobody there. Sign me up. It's going to be the first time we're going to have the Winter Games combining uh, during a Super Bowl as well. So should be tricky. And that's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. <laughs> Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, I am going to, I'm, I'm not going to test the over-under. I'm going to take the Rams tonight. I do think they win, cover. It's a three-point line. Obviously, that's the home field advantage, even though they lost at home. Um, I want to point this out. Sean McVay's won in the playoffs. Lost last year, but won, led him to the Super Bowl. Kingsbury's never been at this level. I think the Rams are a little bit better coached. This is the Doug Gottlieb show.